Football is back, and BetMGM is inviting new customers to join the huddle and enjoy the action like never before. Sign up today using bonus code CHAMPION, and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. You'll also have instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, player props, and boosted odds specials. Just download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com and enter bonus code CHAMPION and place your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. The Bet MGM app is the perfect way to experience the excitement of wagering on live sports now in more markets than ever. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-888-532-3500. Welcome to Office Chats, a podcast presented by Madame Blue. Each episode features a special guest sharing their story of success, career advice, and industry insight. I'm Valeria and I'll be hosting today's episode. Today's guest is Cristina Lynch, the founder and CEO of Migo Londrina, a clothing and lifestyle brand inspired by Mexico. Migo Londrina partners with artists and women in Mexico who use traditional hand embroidery techniques. Hi, Cristina. How are you? Hi, Valeria. I'm good. How are you? Good. I love what you're doing. I saw that y'all started in 2016. That's so great. Yes. Thank you so much. I love what you're doing. That's why I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you for taking the time. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm actually um, working from Colorado right now, which feels pretty fun. So Amazing. That's probably one of the best places you could work from home. I know. It's nice. I haven't been able to get out, but just seeing the snow is just kind of refreshing. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I would just love it if we could tell our listeners a little bit about your background and how you got started in fashion. For sure. Um, I'm Christina Lynch, the founder of Migo Londrina. I am from Dallas, Texas. My mother is from Mexico, which is really what inspired the brand. I lived in New York for a bit. I went to um, university there. And then um, my first job out of school was at Oscar de la Renta. And I think that's where I started to be really inspired by just beautiful embroideries. And I've always loved Mexico and um, slowly kind of had this abstract concept to build a brand that uh, really showed the beauty of Mexico through embroidery. And so anyway, I called my brother about it and he thought it was a fun idea and that I should move home to start it. So, um, so I had worked in New York a couple of years, um, but I was honestly excited to move home. So lived with my parents for three years and started Migo Londrina. And it's been, um, it's really just been such a dream. Obviously, like anything has its ups and downs, but for the most part, it's just kind of this been this really magical journey that I I learned from every day. Did you go specifically to college knowing that you were wanting to pursue fashion? I know your first job out of school was with Oscar de la Renta, no big deal. So I'm just wondering, (laughs) like, was that um, your end goal when you went into school? Definitely not. I did. I wasn't sure what my end goal was. I did theater for fun in high school. And honestly had um, an acting coach in Dallas 
that told me that theater would help me get into NYU. So, and then I had thought I wanted to be a business major. Um, NYU doesn't let you double major in business. So I double majored in theater and economics, which is wild, but was really fun. And really, I didn't know I wanted to do fashion for a while. I was interested in television production. And so I um, it really, I think it was my junior year. I think New York is obviously a really fashionable place and it's so inspiring to see what everybody wears and how they present themselves. And um, I think that that really got me excited about the fashion world. And my mom had her own clothing business. So I think that maybe it was something that I had in the back of my mind, but hadn't really like gone towards. Um, And so, so yeah, so being in New York gave me the freedom to do that. And um, that's when I started looking at internships in the fashion world. But it's funny because I, I really didn't think of Migo Londrina as a, as a fashion brand per se. At first, just because I was just obsessed with, it was more lifestyle because I was trying to show the embroidery on, at first on decorative pillows. And I, actually I was doing duvets too. And then I had this kind of side thing of dresses and tops. Um, so it's so fun now that it's kind of turned into this fun fashion brand. Before I ask you more about Migo Londrina, I want to step back because your mom was a small business owner. Is that correct? She had her own brand. Yes. And you were working for Oscar. So how did those two influence like the decisions you were making early on in Migo Londrina? Like, what did you learn from your mom and from your experience at Oscar that kind of helped you? build those stepping stones into creating your own brand? For sure. I mean, my mom, so my mom didn't have the clothing business while I was alive. So it was something I always heard about, but she is an incredibly determined hard worker who's, I I think is one of the most creative people I know. So um, inspires me every day in every way. And then I think something I was thinking that really, um, was exciting at Oscar de la Renta was just how big that brand is. I mean, it's just, it's so gorgeous. It's my mom actually wore an Oscar de la Renta wedding dress. I mean, it was something that was always just so romanticized to me and larger than life. And I think that working there, I realized that it wasn't this huge team. It was this very kind of intimate family of employees that worked really hard to make something work. And so I was thinking about it today. I I feel like that has really helped with Migo Londrina. And um, I know that if we're determined and really focused on our goal, we can, we can do really big things. So when you started, I'm assuming it was just you. And then obviously you started as a home brand How did you transition from being on your own to where you are now with a team? For sure. So, uh, you know, from day one, I always had people helping, you know, whether it was my mom in the beginning or one seamstress or um, it was obviously really small and I was doing a lot. But um, and the transition really happened because so it started with home goods um, because I used to go to the store called ABC Home and I thought I wanted to do something with bedding. And so I reached out to a mentor of mine, Jason Needleman, who's the CEO of this bedding business called Peacock Alley, um, presented the idea to him and he really helped launch the concept. And the launch party was at um, a Peacock Alley store. 
And at the launch party, there was a rack of, I think, like 40 dresses and tops. And it was really because, you know, we had done the pillows, we'd done everything. And I thought, we, I like kind of going back to lifestyle, I want to make this like a feeling. I want you to walk in and just like really feel Mexico. Um, so had those and had them finished and was really excited about them. I pressed all the dresses and, and anyway, that night they sold out and I could feel kind of the buzz around it. Um, and it was fascinating to me just because it's a traditional embroidery style that's been around for 200 years. It was really popular in the sixties and seventies. And what was exciting was that people were seeing it in a new light and I, I could feel that. So anyway, I, I felt that and went with it. Um, you know, I was just excited to grow a brand that represented Mexico and whether it was with pillows or dresses uh, or bags or whatever it was, I was just excited to do that. And, you know, I think that there are brands that now I see and I'm just like so impressed by how quickly some brands grow. You know, they grow in like two years um, and, and explode and get um, investors. And and really, Miguel Andrina has been different in that now it's... Uh, I think it's almost seven years or it is seven years. Um, and so it's been kind of this, I guess I feel like I had time to slowly grow and say, okay, what's the most important hire? You know, first it was a huge thing for me was just, I was handwriting notes to everybody. I needed help writing emails and, um, and just making sure that customer service was top notch. I mean, that's something that I really learned at Oscar was just how to treat your customer and really grow a community so that, so it's, it was kind of like every turn I was able to step back and see what we needed most. And now, I mean, we have such an impressive team. I I'm so inspired every day by everyone I work with. They're just really, really talented women. What was your role at, um, at Oscar? Like, what exactly in, were you doing? Yeah, I was in sales. So okay. um, I, when I started, um, I was doing sales for, I'm trying to see if I can remember this all, but I was doing sales and accessories and, um, and then ready to wear internationally. So I was really fortunate um, because the team was so lean, I was able to do things that I think maybe you wouldn't normally get to do when you first start somewhere. So was able to go to Paris market and meet with Netta Porte and um, met Natalie Massenet. I mean, I remember I was just blown away by, I think like my entire experience at Oscar de la Renta was just starstruck um, and was able to have a lot of, a lot of responsibilities. So that was, that was really cool. And I think sales is one thing that you don't really learn in school and it's been paramount for our business. So um, I'm really glad to have learned it. Awesome. And well, for, for the listeners who aren't familiar with their brand, can you please share what Made Golondrina is? I want to, you know, spotlight the fact that you work with artisans in Mexico. Yes. Um, so if you could please share, that would be great. For sure. So Migolondrina works with 600 artisan women in Mexico. What's really important to me is that everyone knows that all of the pieces are traditional embroideries from different communities throughout the country. So, uh, for example, the first embroidery we started with is from San Antonino Castillo Velasco, and it's a beautiful, intricate floral embroidery. And um, something that I think is so important is each of these embroideries really represent the communities in a way much like a flag represents um, a city in in the U.S. So um, 
so we sell clothing, accessories, and um, home goods now. Um, and you can find us on migolondrina.com. Well, I know, I mean, it's clear that Mexican culture is embedded in your brand. Um, it's something that I love. It's my culture. I know it's your culture too. And so I want to know like what about the Mexican culture inspires you the most, if you can narrow it down to like one or two things. Yeah, I thought it, I, I'm glad you said this because I thought about it before because it is such a, it's such, it's such a bright and beautiful culture that I almost feel like there aren't words. Like you just kind of have these feelings. It's a that feeling. Just, yeah. Yeah. It's, it, I have goosebumps saying it. Um, but for me, I think number one is family um, and the importance of kind of the family unit. And, you know, at Migo Londrina, with our artisan partners and with our team here in Dallas, we really work as family. We really care about what's going on in everyone's lives. And I think that's something my mom taught me. And I just, I find so much strength from it. And then I love the colors and the joy. I just think there's like, you know, I, I think about going to Mexico City and seeing the ballet folklorico, and it's just like, I guess that's what I picture, just just like this this joy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's something that I hope that our brand can can give off. Definitely. So you mentioned the fact that every piece is hand embroidered. Um, I'm sure that might might be a struggle to scale when you know everything is handmade. So I'm wondering, like, did that intimidate you when you were starting, and like, how have you worked? against that perceived notion yeah it's so funny um because i was looking and one of the questions was the struggle and that's that's absolutely it i think in the beginning you know i was literally to make the pillows um i was receiving um embroideries from mexico that all looked different i was hand pressing all of them i mean it felt very like stressful and piecemeal kind of and i think uh my mom and dad they were so they really believed in it. But at the same time, I, I know in the back of their mind, they were like, but how is this going to work? You know, and I was unstitching things and it was just very, it was very small. Um, and I think what I found is just that if you work with artisans um, with respect and honor and trust and have open conversations, I mean, there are a lot of women in Mexico who need work and, um, they create such beautiful work and take such pride in it that we have been able to scale. And, uh, you know, it's not the, it's not the speed at which I think a lot of companies do scale, but in, to me, it's been in a way that's truly sustainable. Um, and we will, you know, constantly look at ways at how we can, can continue to grow in that way. Um, but yeah, it is so funny because <laughs> we, we were having a product development meeting the other day and um, I've been trying to have my mom come more and she was like, wait, is this one handmade? <laughs> I was like, mom, everything is handmade. Are you kidding me? But there it's cause their embroidery is really, I mean, it's, it's really astoundingly good quality and um, looks so perfect. And um, I'm really proud of that. The fact that it's so unbelievable, like, it just shows like how we as consumers are so used to everything being like mass produced and manufactured. It's, I like, know, it's very I, hard know. To I know. Well, and machine embroidery used to be so obvious. <clears throat> I remember because like even when you would go to the mercado in Mexico, 
I remember I'd say like, oh, well, just look at the back of it. You can see that there's white thread on the back and that's how you can tell it's machine done versus hand done. Uh, because, you know, when they're doing hand, they're pulling the thread all, all the way through. But now, I mean, there's, there are crazy machines that can really do stuff that looks like hand. Um, so, so I'm really proud that we, that we really stick to it. Yeah. And it's always great to be able to provide jobs and opportunities for the women that are responsible for like this amazing craft. Totally. It's, it's, um, I want to say it's the most important thing to me. Mm -hmm. Well, what about um, when you're creating new collections or new pieces? What is that creative process like, whether it's dresses or placemats or pillows, anything like that? For sure. So um, I think maybe one example is, for example, we're going to be doing tabletop um, leading up to Cinco de Mayo because people in uh, Texas like to celebrate <laughs> Mexican culture. I know that they're not necessarily celebrating in Mexico, but it's a good way to, I think, celebrate Mexican culture in Texas. But anyway, we were working with a community in Chiapas, Aguacatenango. And um, they sent us a beautiful table runner that they had done as a sample. Um, and the floral embroidery is a little bit different from what we've seen kind of um, over the years. So it was like, really exciting to see. So um, we use that kind of as the launching pad and then, you know, provide measurements based on things we know that sell and kind of talk through play, uh, placement. We talk through, I mean, one thing that's super important to me to understand and know is what fabrics are best for artisan partners. So, you know, maybe um, some, some of our artisan partners think that, oh, I think a really good example is um, black and white gingham. It's really hard because they follow um, an embroidery stamp and obviously, if you do the stamp in white or in black, you can't follow it and you get dizzy looking at these little black and white checkers. So anyway, um, we collaborate on the fabric. So we're going to do white linen and, um, and yeah, and so then it kind of just goes from there. So a lot of times it's kind of just this one sample that we're shown and then we grow it into cocktail napkins, placemats, napkins, and a table runner. Yeah, my dream home will have some of your pieces. I love oh, the the kitchen stuff, especially. It's like so bright and warm to me. And um, I saw, you know, two months ago, the Christmas tree runners that you all had were just gorgeous. So I just had oh, to tell you that. Thank you so much. We, um, I love this woman we work with in Sina Cantan. Um, and those pieces, I think what's so incredible about those is they're hand woven and then hand embroidered. So they don't necessarily work on fabric. They can, but they really prefer to work on something thick because forever they have embroidered on what they have woven, which is just incredible to me. Yeah. And they hand draw all of those animals and flowers. Um, and um, do you feature the golondrina, which it for listeners who don't speak Spanish that's a swallow it's a little bird um do you that is featured on a lot of your pieces right but it, not all uh, of them we try to we really do I mean I think that to me it's so funny in the beginning I was so I don't know I was just very cautious I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to be putting a logo, logo. Per se mm -hmm. on something that kind of freaked me out 
just because this is so much, this is a company that's truly celebrating artisanry and I just didn't want to take away from that. But then I slowly realized we work so hard to make sure that the final product is perfect. I mean, we have this incredible quality control team that presses everything. We have a team of seamstresses that really work hard on finishing details. So in a way, I'm like, this is such a cool way to know that like this is truly a quality product where every person involved really wanted to make sure that it was just this incredible piece. So it has become important to me. Um, so I always try to put it somewhere where it either flows with the design or is like small enough that it's on the side. I'm, I'm so glad it's, um, I'm so glad it's a beautiful bird. <laughs> and, and yeah. Flows. Um, we're actually doing, um, we've done kind of a few ceramics here and there. We're, uh, we've collaborated with Gorky, um, and we're, uh, going to be doing something later this year with the Golondrina on it. And I was so happy to see how it goes with his designs. It actually really, mm -hmm. really works. That's awesome. And I also love that a lot of, um, their clothing is named after names, like women's names in Spanish. I think that's so cool. Thank you. I feel like I'm constantly, uh, it's so funny. Uh, my daughter is, uh, Christina Liliana and I named one of our blouses that before she was born. Cause I was like, I, I love that name. I think I love that name, <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of times they're also women we work with, um, like our Maria blouse is the lead artisan. And so anyway, yeah, it's, mm -hmm. it's Fun. Now that you're seven years in, I'm curious, like, is there one thing that you would go back and tell yourself when you were first starting this business, like, do not do this or do this <laughs> earlier or, you know, any sort of advice you'd give yourself? Yeah, I was thinking about that. I think, um, I just think a lot of people can be so hard on themselves. Um, I know I was in the beginning and, um, I think if you can just try to be optimistic and keep moving forward, that's, that's the advice I would give myself. And, um, and luckily I had that advice coming from my mother. So, um, but that's, that's kind of what I would tell myself and anyone starting is just to, just to know that obviously some days are harder, but you know, the, the big picture is just so awesome. So kind of mm -hmm. enjoy the ride. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Well, I know that for some time, you and your team would write handwritten notes to your customers with their shipments, and you're a very customer-focused brand. Like you said, it's very important to you. Um, so I'm wondering like, how you keep that personal touch alive with your brand while you're growing and scaling your business. Right. Um, yeah. Customer service, I would say, is it's very important to me. We are so fortunate to have this incredible community of basically friends and um it's hard it was really hard for me when we went from handwritten notes um and there was a time where we would split notes among the team and we even did it during our sale and the pandemic was really important to us um so we were like trying to sign things but you know as you scale a handwritten note is is not totally doable through customer service i think one thing that's really important is the time we take. So we have um, a wonderful team who just really like slows down and makes sure that we are answering every request and also involved in their lives. You know, like how can we help? We, you know, we help with a lot of special events all the time. And so we just want to make sure that, that things are truly special. 
And so we do that via email, via phone, kind of any way we can. And then social media has been a great way to build community. Um, you know, I love our Instagram, Migolondrina. I think it's so nice just to be able to receive DMs, I mean, and receive these comments. We have like ones, I just saw one from a husband that was like, keep up the good work. My wife loves your stuff. Oh. <laughs> Stuff like that just, mm -hmm. I don't know, it just makes my day. So if that, and then I actually um, recently launched a more personal Instagram just so that um, I could be in touch with our community on a more personal note as well. Um, so that's been really fun too, because, you know, it's kind of just sharing life with customers, which is what um, I did a lot when the store was open. But now that we're digital only, it was just kind of my way of of reaching out. Mm -hmm. And when did you go from having a brick and mortar to being digital only? Through the pandemic. Okay. Well, that yeah. was one of my follow-up <laughs> questions was how did COVID impact your business? I wasn't aware that you all went digital only. So yeah. I'm sure that must have been difficult and, you know, adapting, yeah. changing your model. Um, For sure. What did you learn through that experience? Um, it was tough. I mean, I think for so many people it was. I mm -hmm. think March and April was so hard, but I think we learned resilience. And um, we we were basically um, set to open some pop-ups and we're, our headquarters have always been our store as well. And so we just knew we needed to act fast. Um, and so Nico Londrina had actually never had a sale before which was something I really took a lot of pride in. I never <laughs> wanted to have a sale. But with the pandemic, I had never been so excited to have a sale. Um, and it really, really saved our business. Um, so we had two sales last year and we closed the store. We didn't do the pop-ups and we became a smaller team, which was obviously really, really hard. But I think that we got to this place where now we're just very, very focused on one goal, which I think has been great for us. And fortunately, we had been working on improving our site before the pandemic. So I am proud of our shopping, digital shopping experience. And it only, it only continues to get better. We're constantly evaluating it. And so, yes, I, I feel so fortunate that the business is doing well. We're still able to maintain the same amount of work for our artisan partners, which was the single most important thing. So, so yes, I mean, it was a big learning year. Did you all um, shift your marketing to run paid ads on social media or like yeah. up your number of posts per week, things like that? For like sure. what were some of those changes that you made on your digital for ads storefront? Were, ads were huge which we hadn't really done. Um, it's been wonderful. You know, I think if what's important to us is we have such an incredible community, but um, knowing how to make that community grow has been so important. Um, and so ads have, have really helped us. And just having much more targeted emails on, not targeted, sorry, specific, if that makes sense. So we really started to change the way we talked about collections and um, really kind of focus the collection so that 
so that it would be exciting to our customers. Got it. You know, your social media has beautiful images. I love the way that your collection is photographed and that you yourself model some of the pieces. I think that's so cool. Um, Are you involved in like the creative behind the scenes of planning those shoots and planning the social content? For sure. I am very involved, but I'm not doing it all. (laughs) So we have a great, great um, women on our team that do that. Um, And Devin and our CMO, Anne, do such a great job. Uh, And actually, I one of the last shoots, I wasn't even able to be there in person. So I was um, just because there was a limit to how many people could be there. So I joined via Zoom and saw the whole shoot. But brand is so important to me. And the way that um, that we show our product is, it's so important to me. And honestly, it's so fun. I, I think I'm just obsessed with it. So we'll forever want to be involved in that part of it. We'll forever want to know how we plan to show things on social media. I just think it's it's really important, but most of all, it's, it's really fun. What is your favorite? Is that your favorite aspect of your role as founder? Um, I, I'm so, I feel so cheesy, but I'm so in love with most things I do. Um, I think that I've, this year I've been hyper-focused on production coordination and product development, and that has been, um, really, really exciting. And um, it's kind of like being founder, you're always kind of seeing where you can fill in what help is needed. But yeah, I love brand. um, But I also love collaborating with artisans. I mean, my WhatsApp is always filled with new messages. And uh, that that part is is really great. And um, growing our team and making sure our team is happy is um, is really inspiring too. I'd like to ask you, what are some of the goals that you have for Amigo Londrina in the future? I know this is like an uncertain time and I'm sure a lot of businesses are just focusing on like the near term, but I'm curious like if you see a larger plan for your business as far as, you know, a few years down the line. For sure. I mean, I, I think we've been so fortunate that our business is, is, doing really well right now. And so it's, it has been a time where I feel like, yes, it's been seven years, but I feel like we've just built this wonderful base to really grow a great brand that represents Mexico. And um, we now have so much knowledge that, um, that took years to build. And, and now I think we can just continue to grow. And I really think that I have my eyes mostly set on digital just because um, there's just so much you can do. And um, it's also really actually helped us a lot with timelines um, and just kind of being more flexible with that as well. Um, So that's been nice just being an artisan business model and just any business model. I think it's, I think it's always nice when you can have um, different timelines, but we'll be focused on digital and then, um, it's so important to to me to at least have one store. Um, so hope to open our Dallas store soon. But yeah, I, I I see us really continuing to focus on women's wear. It's just so much fun. It's such a great way to to show Mexico, and um, it's just been it's been great. Mm-hmm. I think we'll continue to grow tabletop, and um, I've really enjoyed thinking about gift giving as well. Just because I think a lot of people like to 
share our brand with friends. So we've been trying to think more and more about how to creatively do that. I, um, I love that you said that you're kind of just getting started after seven years, like you have a base because I think when so many people think of entrepreneurship, they, they want like immediate payoff or they think of like, it just happens overnight, you know? And yeah, it's very refreshing to hear like, no, seven years in, like we've got the base. So I I love that you said that. (laughs) I, I really do feel that way. I think that it's, um, yeah, it's a great place to be. And it's funny, it, it, it has flown too. seven years has, has really flown. Um, so I'm excited for the next seven. What is some advice that you would give to other either aspiring entrepreneurs or people who are in it just like you are who maybe are shifting their company to adapt to the impacts of COVID? What advice would you give to those business owners and entrepreneurs? Um. Gosh, I've been given so much good advice that I feel like the one I always share, but um, I'll come back to it. I think one that I think is important right now is to stay open-minded and know that it's okay if your business moves in different directions. I think a lot of times people are planners um, and it's, I think it's good to, to move in the direction you think is most helpful to your business sounds so obvious, but I do think we all kind of get stuck in our ways. It's also a time to be vulnerable. There are hard decisions that need to be made. And I think being vulnerable really helped me get through hard times with our team. I was able to be open with everyone. And um, I think that everyone was, I don't know, we just kind of all stood together and that was awesome. And then lastly, my aunt always just says, don't quit. I love that simple piece of advice because I don't know. There are just some days that I know are really hard for people, but if you can just keep going, I, I think it's great. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, I would also love to know if there's someone who helped you like on your journey that really impacted the fact that you are seven years in and still thriving. That's so nice. Um, I really, it's hard not to just say my mom. My mom is just, gosh, she is, just this force. Um, she's so amazing. Uh, I don't know why that just made me emotional. And then, um, moms, Jason, <laughs> moms they're incredible. Yeah. Uh, hope to be like her one day with my daughter and, um, Jason Needleman, the CEO of Peacock Alley, um, is just, and I think he's this way with a lot of other people too. He's just always there and, um, was really, wonderful during the pandemic as well when when things were scary for lots of people so it it was uh i'll forever be kind of thankful Mm -hmm. it's always super important to have people you can rely on you know especially family but also people who are in the industry that can give you advice for sure and i i mean the list goes on and on and on there are so many people (laughs) who have helped me i'd love to know um if you could you know go back to Christina when she was in college like what is something you would tell her oh I think to just have so much fun (laughs) which is what I think I did um it's just such a cool time to to really just enjoy and kind of take in every experience and even if they are bad experiences or per se bad um just learning from them and growing from them is just so cool Mm -hmm. I'd love to go to my college self right now. It sounds like fun. 
I know, right? College before COVID. Right? Yeah. Well, um, in a few episodes, sometimes I'll do like rapid fire questions. And I just thought I could do some Mexican themed questions. For sure. So um, what is your favorite Mexican candy? Oh, tamarindo. The pulparindos. Mm. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm addicted (laughs) to those. Like, it's really bad when I go to the Mexican grocery store. I'm like always looking at checkout for one of those. I love that. I'm more of like a sweet, so I would say gancitos are probably my favorite. Love gancitos. Those are so good, too. That's a great choice. Um, What about your favorite Mexican drink? It could be alcoholic or non-alcoholic. A Paloma, for sure. Sorry, I went alcoholic. <laughs> I love I love a Paloma. I just, um, gosh, it reminds me of like, I one of my best girlfriends was from Monterrey and uh, we used to drink those by the pool and just good memories. Mm-hmm. And then um, finally, is there a favorite city you have in Mexico? Oh, that's really hard. Um, I, I It's got to be Oaxaca. I just, it's like a second home now, so... Um, it's super special to me, but I want to visit more places. I feel like there's so much to see. Um, yeah, I love San Cristobal and Chiapas too. I mean, it's just, it's also beautiful. That's my favorite city. And then I, visiting communities is just mind blowing. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time, Christina. I loved learning more about you and Migo Londrina. Um, thank you so much. This was so nice. Yeah. I really appreciate I, it. So do I. And um, before I let you go, I just want to make sure everyone knows where they can find you and your brand on social media, online, all of that good stuff. For sure. So it's migolondrina.com, migolondrina.com. And our social media is migolondrina as well. Um, please, please say hello. We would absolutely love it. Thank you, Cristina, for joining me on the podcast. And thank you to everyone listening. I hope you join us in the next Office Chats episode. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.